0: what's up everybody welcome to episode 10 of the rod and Real podcast i'm rod beard pistons beat writer for the detroit news and we are finally here at the time for the nba draft to take place after all the postponements because of the pandemic we're finally at a point where we can say we are at the nba draft and i'm excited for it it's going to be all virtual at the espn studios in bristol not at barclays center in brooklyn But it's still going to be an exciting night. I'm looking forward to just what the NBA is able to put together in terms of production to make it all happen. Just going to do a a fairly short show today. A couple of things I wanted to hit on. Obviously, the Pistons choice at number seven is going to be at the top of that. And we got a little bit of extra news with the trade Bruce Brown going to the Brooklyn Nets. And what does that mean? And what does that say about the state of where the Pistons franchise is right now? That they would make such a deal so just wanted to hit on two major points here and uh, maybe what the path forward looks like for free agency this week and, and maybe some other trades that might be out there that the pistons can look to before they get the season started but we'll start with the draft and and obviously we've known about this since the lottery that the pistons were going to be in that number seven slot and looking at what their options might be whether they would trade up trade down maybe stay in that same spot And just the way that it looks to me, I can't see them trading up. It's going to involve getting more assets and putting them in the pot. And if there's one thing that we saw from the Bruce Brown trade, it's about gathering assets, the second round pick that they're going to get from Brooklyn, which is Toronto's pick, getting an asset like that versus giving them away. And I don't know what a package looks like for them to move up to get into number three, number four, number five to get somebody else that they would want. It it seems to me that number seven is going to be a nice sweet spot for them to get the guy that they want or get a guy that they want. And and look at it this way. If you look at most of the experts draft boards, they have LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards going in some kind of order in the top three. One, two, three, three, two, one, whatever. If you look at those three, and then the next three are probably going to be Abdia, Obi Toppin, and Tyrese Halliburton, or some other wild card in there. You could get Devin Vassell. You could get somebody else that that jumps up and makes that Anyika Kongwu could get in that six spot. Anybody else, then you're still left with who I think is going to be the Pistons' pick at number seven, which is Killian Hayes. And and there's so many reasons for that. We've gone over them in, in previous podcasts, and I've written about it extensively that the Pistons biggest roster need is point guard. They only have one point guard in Derrick Rose who's on an expiring contract. So that's not something that you can just go out and immediately fix in free agency unless you're going out to get a Fred Van Vliet or a DJ Augustine or, or somebody like that. A veteran who can immediately come in and be able to play. So I just don't see that for them, given that Rose is probably going to be traded at some point this year. And the other piece to lay on top of that is that Jordan Bone reportedly is not going to be brought back on his contract. So you literally have just one point guard. And whether you want to call Luke Kennard a quasi point guard, or you you think The Pistons are going to run a lot of their offense through Blake Griffin again. You still need somebody to play that position, to play both ends of the court. And Killian Hayes seems to fit that mold for me, given what we know. Probably Tyrese Halliburton is going to go to either Chicago or going to go number six to Atlanta. So there is probably no way, and the Pistons wouldn't need to trade up to do that. Uh, If you look at Hayes and you look at Halliburton, they're... They have a lot of similarities. Uh, Hayes is probably a better facilitator and penetrator, get to the rim and get in the paint and cause havoc. And that seems to be Troy Weaver's type of guy. I like Halliburton because of the size and his ability to hit the outside shot. But again, if you look at at Troy Weaver's M.O. and what he's done in the past, it's been more so guys who, who get in the paint, who get to the wreck, who can create that contact for you and create mismatches and they're more dogs on defense that create some turnovers for you and do some different things there. So I think that's the direction that they're going to end up leaning with that. There could be some wild cards in there. There could be teams that are trading up if Golden State trades that number two pick. That doesn't mess up the top six people that you have there. Or I'll even say top five. I won't include that number six pick in there uh, to say that that's going to be. But at least those top five that I mentioned are going to end up being the ones that are there. And whoever ends up, if it's Patrick Williams being the sixth pick or whoever, then I think Killian Hayes is there. I haven't seen very many variations of this where Killian Hayes is not there for the Pistons at seven. And even if he is, if Killian Hayes somehow gets picked and you, you end up with Tyrese Halliburton, I think you're still happy with without having to trade and to give up assets. Now, the other option that you could have is trading down And you could get um, what was mentioned to Troy Weaver in one of our calls a couple of weeks ago was possibly trading with the Celtics and getting all three of their first round picks for number seven. And you can do some things there. You can get somebody at at 14 that fits what you want to do. You can get some other pieces at 26 and 30 that work and, and could be some potential pieces for you but I just don't see the point in that. If you have a Killian Hayes that really checks off a lot of boxes of things that you want to do, why mess around and get a second tier player and kind of short circuit that maybe you could end up with, if you could get a Kyra Lewis and then 26 and 30 end up being a center and a wing that you like because some other players fall down, then maybe. I can see that happening, but I just don't think that that's the best move for the Pistons. I think you take the best player at seven that's there, the best point guard at seven, and then you just kind of move on and not have to worry about the rest of that stuff. So we'll we'll see how all of that shakes out, but if you can get more assets for it, I think that's something that Troy Weaver will consider But uh, the other scenarios, I I just don't know. I mean, Anyeka Kangwu is the other name that I'll throw in there. And that's if you really believe in free agency, you can go out and get a solid point guard. You can get two point guards because eventually you're going to need two. That you can, I can listen to a conversation of saying DJ Augustine is your placeholder and maybe you want a better point guard in the draft next year. So DJ Augustine is your your placeholder that you get in free agency. You can get a Okago who can be your center of the future, doesn't necessarily need a lot of touches on offense, can play some solid defense and protect the rim for you, can play alongside Blake Griffin. I think those are all things that kind of make sense if you're building the roster that way. But it's just, what do you do if these deals come along and you get offered that you have to think very quickly. And I'm sure that Troy Weaver and his staff have been through these simulations and said, what happens if somebody's offering a trade? What happens if the Celtics want to send us all three of those picks? What if we get a team that is going to give us a player that we can really use, a plug-and-play player, and a mid-teens pick? How do we handle all of those things? So I, I'm just excited to see what all of this ends up being. But, again, I think the, the pick is Killian Hayes. I, I just don't think you overthink it. The the talk with Patrick Williams, I think, is some smokescreen. I, I think it's, it's also some looking at how to bulk up the roster with wing players and, and like kind of the six, eight, six, nine type players who can guard and switch and do everything else. And I think one thing that we learned in these playoffs and especially from the Miami heat is that you can never have enough of those guys, Uh, a Duncan Robinson uh, who can just step in there, who can guard any number of people and switch. I've talked about Bam Adebayo at length of, what that versatility does and how that's changed things and maybe Anyeka Okongu could be that type of guy Uh, but again I think that's if you look at Troy Weaver's draft history in Oklahoma City and his trade history is that he covets that type of player when you look at a Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, Darius Baisley uh, those types of guys are are ones that can step in very easily and and switch defensively shooting isn't necessarily their forte but they certainly put the ball on the court get to the rack and, and can do some damage that way too uh, so, the rest of the first round is going to be very interesting too. And obviously, from a local standpoint, uh, Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman are two names that people are going to have their eyes on and see whether they go toward the bottom of the first round or, or somehow slip into the second round. With the depth in this draft, and t- Trey Weaver talked about the depth that's in this this first round that you might be able to get a quality player even in the teens. So I think that's his hat tip to potentially being able to trade down and pick up more assets but i think not only in this year's draft you want to pick up things that that are in the future too and it just as a a sam presti template you can see all of these trades that they gutted their their backcourt completely they got rid of both chris paul and dennis Schroeder and they got a ton of draft picks for those guys uh so they're well positioned into the future and there was a, a tweet that went out earlier that had all of these picks that the Thunder have gotten for these couple of picks, the picks that they've made in the past couple of years. And it's just a ton. And I don't know if you want to position yourself that way to just be a team that's just ready for the future. But Oklahoma City was in the playoffs this year. It's not like they're just in a vast wasteland of of a roster and they're trying to figure out who's going to play for them. They have some pieces. And in addition, they do have uh, draft picks to, to just kind of they could make a, a they could draft a team in in one draft or two drafts and given what we know about um, one and dones and, and how that rule is going to play out in the next couple of years and, and the talent that's coming through you want to be in Oklahoma City that has draft picks to spare and even if you, you decide you want to start contending quickly you can use those as trade pieces so certainly Sam Presti has done a job there and if if Weaver has done any kind of gleaning from that, he may do the same sort of thing when you start looking at, at how he's going to construct this roster. So it, the other piece is the Bruce Brown trade, and it, it caught a lot of people off guard. I hadn't even finished my first cup of coffee on, uh, on Monday morning when that happened, uh, and it was a little bit shocking. But when you think about it, it, it kind of makes sense for what Troy Weaver is doing. It, is, if you bring him in here and you say he's a top-notch talent evaluator, he's made his evaluation by trading Bruce Brown. He's saying that that's not a guy that's going to be uh, in the future of this organization, in the long-term future, and Bruce's contract wasn't guaranteed for this coming year. They were going to pick it up. It wouldn't have been a problem there, but in the long-term future, he just wasn't going to be a guy that was going to be very useful for what they're looking to do, and what I thought about was last year when Dwayne Casey had Bruce Brown move over and play some point guard. That wasn't a complete failure, but it wasn't a a huge success either. He was was okay. He was a a guy that you could plug in and he had a share of turnovers. He had a share of struggles in in getting the offense started in the way that it should be. And he also had some troubles finishing at the rim. Now, if you're gonna be a, a point guard and you're six foot four, then yeah, that's good size for a point guard. But if you're going to guard the James Hardens of the world, and that's been Bruce Brown's calling card is on the defensive end. If you're going to guard your your Steph Curry's, your James Hardens, your your Clay Thompson's, those types of guys, you have to be able to do something on, on the offensive end to balance with that to to sort of justify your minutes on the court because you can't be a a minus type player that yes you're stopping the other guy from scoring but you're not adding much value on the other end and that's where bruce had kind of struggled he had made some some very good strides and and i don't want to diminish that that his three-point percentage went up about nine percentage points his scoring was up a little bit and rebounding was there I'm not doubting Bruce Brown's toughness. I'm not doubting anything about him. I think he's a, a nice, good, young, rotational piece. And with the Brooklyn Nets, he'll find some playing time. He will not be a starter in Brooklyn, though. And, and that's if that's where you're trying to get with this Pistons team, you have to realize Bruce Brown for what he is. He's not a, a heavy minute starter who's gonna go out and play a ton of minutes for you and then go back on the defensive end and, and earn his bread there he's just a, he's a piece he's a, a small piece of what they were trying to do and given what the roster is that's just how it turns out so Bruce is, is a good guy I don't have anything against him I'm not going to sit here and try to down him now that he's been traded I'm just saying in the vision of, of what this roster is going to be he's not the end-all be-all of everything he was just a piece you hate to see him go you thought that they were starting to develop and and build on something but is he a 12 to 15 point per game guy probably not and can he hit a corner three-pointer? Yes. But is he going to be at that position in this league right now? You need a guy to be at least 12 to 15 points. Is he Luke Kennard offensively and, and developing defensively? No. It's the other way around. He's a good defensive guy but and trying to figure out the offense. And that's just not something that's going to fit with what the, the roster construction is going to be. it's sad to say but that's the reality of it and that's why he got traded yes he's going to have a a different type of role in brooklyn yes it it may be something if they're going to trade the entire farm in order to to bring in james harden as as the rumors have it then so be it but for the pistons bruce brown was just not going to be a fit in the long term and it's better to do it now pick up uh zanamusa and who's a six foot nine wing which is what you want The, the what i mentioned earlier about guys with size guys that uh can guard on and switch on the wings and you have that nice size musa didn't have these ridiculous stats either i mean with the nets it was 4.8 points 2.2 rebounds and 24 percent from three and you look at that and say well why would you trade for that guy that's not even a project guy that's a that's a mess waiting to happen but musa's only 21 where bruce brown is 24. And, in his G league time, he averaged nineteen and a half points, eight rebounds and and shot forty one percent from three. So that tells you there's something that's not quite matching up there with Musa. You shoot forty one percent and a little bit more playing time in the g league and twenty four percent in the in the league. With more reps, that might be something that you could be, looking at as as more of a breakout maybe he's a a, a Svi Mihailuk type player that he just needs the playing time and a little bit more seasoning to have that breakout that we saw Svi have last year so that's the upside of it and that's maybe what Troy Weaver is gambling on and betting on is that uh, you get that and you get a second round pick to go along with it that maybe you you come out on the positive end of that when it's all said and done give it two years and and maybe he's something that you can um, feel like this was a trade that they got the better end of. But I think it's just can he be a contributor? You've got some time and you've got some playing time to figure out um, for him whether that's actually going to happen. So you can take a flyer on that. And again, you're not using, you're not going to invest in Bruce Brown long term. So it's better to figure that out now than to wait and try to do it later. And and that might be what you're doing with the rest of this roster. Is is you might see some more trades this week. Is is figuring out which guys fit, which guys don't fit. And I think with this, you just have to trust Troy Weaver and say, if that's why the Pistons brought him here, then let him do his job. Let him let him say these guys are going to fit and these guys are not going to fit in the vision that I have for what this team is going to be in a couple of years. And you kind of live with that. These, this is his first offseason in dealing with stuff. This is his first draft. These are his first trades. And it's going to be his first free agent signings don't judge it by the beginning of the week judge it by the end of the week after free agency starts and we see what the bigger picture of this looks like and i think that's um, the more prudent way to to look at all of this but that's one of my faults i'm always the prudent guy and and not quite the reactionary guy but uh, i'll admit at the beginning i didn't see what sense this made but i think it's more of a bigger picture of starting to piece this roster together and figure out what this roster is. And again, when you think about Bruce Brown if he's not a a guard and he's more of just a wing guy, that's not the profile of a wing that you want to have. You want to have them be a a plus defender but then somebody who's averaging 12-15 points uh in addition to that. So, we'll see how all of that stuff shakes out. When you get to free agency, which is going to start on Friday and what that looks like for the Pistons. I think obviously you're a number one priority is looking at Christian Wood and what the market is gonna look like for him. And there's just been a lot of radio silence from the Pistons end on what they're gonna do with Christian Wood, and certainly Troy Weaver has said that they'll see what the market looks like. And I asked him, what does that mean? I mean? Do you have a number in your head? And he said, certainly has a number, but he, he's playing as very close to the vest that he doesn't wanna give praise about Christian Wood, nor does he wanna taint the market and kinda of say that he's a terrible player, or alienate him and send him out, almost kick him out to the market and let other teams swoop in and take him. Wood is an unrestricted free agent, but the Pistons can uh, re-sign him with their early bird rights and pay a little bit more. And I've talked previously about what the market, I think, is going to look like if the mid-level exception is somewhere around nine and a half million, that that seems to be the starting point, the teams that have cap space and or teams that can offer the mid-level, that's about where they, that would start. I would think that the Pistons can get to somewhere around 12 million, but there might be a team that just overbids, if you're the Knicks or you're the, the Hawks or somebody like that, and, and you need a big man with, with skill set, that you could pay up to 15 million. And, and that might be the itchy spot for the Pistons where it's just sort of, eee, you hadn't quite planned on spending that much. Uh, on, on Christian Wood to bring him back and they'd be happy to keep that number lower to, to 9 or below if they they could. I just think the market's going to be very high for him and uh, they could end up being in that, again, the 12 to 15 seems about right but if it's a little bit more than that then um, they're going to have a decision to make on what they want to do with Christian Wood and, and it's problematic to some degree because you're, you're bringing back a, a Blake Griffin who missed most of last season, would finish the season as probably their most impactful player, and their their presence on the inside and the outside, outside of Derrick Rose, he was the, the guy that you would have paid to watch. If you're building a roster, and I've said this before, that's the type of guy that you want, a Christian Wood, the type of guy that you would like to have, that you nourished and you sort of developed last year, got him onto the got him in the rotation and got him playing some significant minutes, and he turned into a guy that you thought he would be. That's the, the best-case scenario for any of your young guys. And if the Pistons don't do that, I think it just sends a bad message to young players that they're um, willing to develop you, but they're not willing to to put down the contract when it, it comes time to do all of that. So I think Christian Wood is your A number one. I mean, to, to a lesser degree, I think Langston Galloway, just as a professional and I'll keep saying this. I think you need locker room guys, and Langston Galloway is that. I don't know what the contract number would end up looking like, but a guy that hits 40% from three I think is is just a value to have there. The, the backcourt is, isn't quite as crowded as it was with Bruce Brown being traded, but I think you can find some space in that cap for the Pistons. And I think their overall strategy is just going to be trying to look at look at Fred Van Vliet, see what the numbers are on that, but I don't think you go all in and push all of your available cap space in on, on Van Vliet. If that number is 20 or 25 million, somewhere in that range, then I think you um, you have to think long and hard about what that's going to look like. Are they ready to add Van Vliet and to be able to contend it uh, just yet? I, I don't think they're quite there. And so adding Van Vliet means that you you think you're closer and you're ready, and I just don't see that, that that's in the, the cards for them right now. I think you look at a, an Aaron Baines type player or a Harry, Harry Giles. There are centers that you can bring in as sort of fixes if you don't draft somebody like a Kongwu as your main guy. But Justin Patton and Thon Maker are really the only centers that are, even if Thon is coming back, which isn't a guarantee just yet. He's just been doing workouts in the summer, so there's still plenty to figure out at that center position. Is just as as. Uh, much of a need as point guard is and what they're going to do there. So I think they're in free agency you want to look at point guard. You're going to need at least one more maybe even two Uh, you're going to need a center. You probably want to get an athletic wing if you can but more than anything else the Pistons can look to bring on bad contracts and again accumulate assets from other teams that uh, make you their dumping ground for their bad deals and again when you get some of these big numbers and these big deals with teams like a James Harden or Russell Westbrook, sometimes you need a third team to come in and just absorb contracts, and the Pistons can do that. And if they can get some additional picks to, in the process of doing that, even better for them. On the uh, Russell Westbrook trade front, I had, had mentioned that only from the sense that it is possible to do. Not that I think it's going to happen, it is possible if they were going to take him into their cap space and they send out a contract like a tony snell for about 12 million it's possible to do i just don't see that russell westbrook is the best fit for this roster right now very much the same way that you look at fred van vliet not being the the timing of it isn't right and westbrook comes with some requirements that you've got to let him be russ you've got to let him take a ton of shots at the rim and here's my most sort of compelling argument. When you think about Westbrook, his elite skill is his speed and his sort of anger that he gets to the rim. Russ just turned 32 the other day. That's going to start diminishing after a certain point, and that certain point may even be now. So if you're paying him $41 million and up to $47 million in his last year, he's got three years left on that deal and 130 plus million, you need him to be, if this were two or three years ago, maybe. But Russ turning 32, I don't think the desire is going to wane at all. But I think it's going to be hard to justify paying him $47 million in two more years when he'll be 34 years old. That's just a really, really tough pill to swallow. And even if you're doing that, even if you kept Blake Griffin, then you're really putting your entire two or three year span on guys with an injury history that you have questions about and guys who are starting to age in a way that they've got to perform at that level still past the age of 30 which not everybody can do so uh i think those are just two caveats that you you don't want to for troy weaver coming in in your first year i don't think you want to gamble that much on guys health and things working out everything having to work out right for you to get what you're looking for so Um, That's just a a quick look at some free agency stuff and draft stuff and um, the trade front. And, uh, again, I think expect there to be a flurry of action this week, some of it including the Pistons. I think there's going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing as Troy Weaver tries to uh, right-size this roster and get in some players that he wants to. You can check out all the coverage online at DetroitNews.com. You can find me on Twitter at DETNewsRodBeard. We'll catch you next time.